the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. advisories they said do not attempt to drive between 3.30 and 6.30 and as I like most people was in bed at that time I wasn't planning to drive but I thought what the hell kind of storm prompts that sort of warning don't even try to drive what if, what if you need to go to jack in the box or something which is all that's open in most towns in America now, after dark. So as soon as it rains in the desert, the, the weirdest kind of creature comes out as a roofing contractor. <laughs> because nobody has noticed that their roof leaks for a year or three years or whatever it is. So they show up, and, I mean, they, they, this happens in San Diego, too. It doesn't rain here much. 
They show up because you have like a little spot on the drywall up in the corner of the ceiling. And they look at it and they shake their head. And they say, oh, I'm going to have to go up on the roof and look at this. So they go and they make a big show of getting the ladder and they put it up. They walk up there and they stomp around and you're underneath. And then they come down and they say, oh, I don't want to say this, but oh, it's bad. And then the most mysterious part of this racket happens when you say, okay, fix it because you never see them again and they don't even take any money. In 2019 in Yucca Valley where I live now it snowed and then it rained so the snow melted and there were a couple little patches where I could see that the, the, the not very engaged flippers who had bought the place from it kind of missed on, on the new roof. And so people came over, and they did that whole thing. They walked around. They got up on the roof. They said it's bad. And that was it. No, no messages, no excuses. And I started thinking, maybe they're stealing something from the house. Because they're not getting paid. But then you talk to other desert residents, especially in Joshua Tree and uh, Yucca Valley and 29 Palms, that everybody's got the same story. <laughs> A lot of people have moved out to rural desert towns in the past two years for whatever reason. And once that happens, you start to realize what things you need in a town. Because when half the people are working at home, you realize, I don't, maybe we don't need 16 lanes of the 805 that are always backed up anyway. Now, all of a sudden, there's not a lot of people on the freeway. And then people don't want to go to stores. So, well, local stores are great. A local bookstore... Do we have the local bookstore representatives here? It's one of the interesting things that happened uh, in publishing in the last two years is independent bookstores have been the main movers of, of books outside of online. So you need those. I don't think anybody cried too much about like Circuit City, you know, being gone. You can get your dryer off the internet. It doesn't matter. It's not like a local shop is selling it. When travel shut down, we didn't need giant airports. And you come down to a handful of things that you think, this is why I want to live somewhere in a community. But like if you walk down this street right here, they're, they're all here. But there's... Uh, about a million square acres of San Diego strip malls around this that you want to miss, really. 
unless you owned it, you got rent on it. So, what makes a community, you find out in something like this, ends up being a very little narrow strip. And you might, you could have that anywhere. Flagstaff, Arizona has it. A little walkable downtown bars that people go to. Galleries with a bunch of bad art. All the things that, that make a place local and unique. And you find that in Norman, Oklahoma. You find it in certain neighborhoods of uh, Santa Fe. You find it in a couple little desert towns like Moab, Utah. Sedona, you kind of find it, but it's also kind of a, a, a large golf club. So it's hit or miss. It's like expensive steakhouse, crystal store. And that's about it. A t-shirt shop. Helicopter tours. How many of you all spend much time in, in the, the Southern California high desert, the Mojave? One thing you see there is that there's not much in the way of any functioning towns. It, it, people live there. Yucca Valley started mostly as a retirement community. It made the uh, U.S. News and World Report 1999 100 Best Affordable Retirement Towns. It's mostly people who moved out of other Southern California suburbs when they got nervous. They went to this kind of all-white, all-evangelical, Christian, U.S. News & World Report uh, retirement community, which they incorporated, and they put some subdivisions way up here and there. No sidewalks. You're going to walk anywhere if you try. And then down in the town itself, where there used to be some kind of honky-tonks and some fun places, they put on a bunch of banks, bank branches, couple of supermarkets. Raw stress for less. And that was it. That was downtown Yucca Valley. And they were very happy. And then you people discovered the desert. And you started moving up there and planting cactus and stuff in front of the houses instead of uh, Bermuda grass sprinkler systems. You didn't play golf, so the, the golf course just went to seed. And you wanted to hike, mountain bike, and etc. So you started asking for bike lanes and before long the places where, where people used to, you know, peacefully shoot up refrigerators with machine guns. You started having people walking rescue dogs. Things change. But now that people have seen you don't necessarily need a big city to have the couple of things you associate with a city, we're left to 
make our own communities when we can't go into any of the terrible uh, look-alike consumer entertainment places where we always went before. If you can't go to the multiplex because all the multiplexes have closed, you might have to start showing movies in some old rented room with your friends and people who become your friends, and then you realize you don't you don't have to just show Marvel movies. There's other stuff. And when the schools close, as they did for some two years, then the question is no longer the public school or can I come up with the money for some sort of private school. The question becomes, what do we do instead of school? So people start teaching their own kids. And when you don't like the environment around you, you realize, well, if there's enough of us, we can change it. So a group called the Mojave Desert Land Trust started a dozen years ago in Joshua Tree, made up of just regular people, people who were not scientists or biologists necessarily, although many of them joined later. They were just people who thought, rather than another 25-acre you know, self-storage unit here in this nice place where we walk and ride bikes and enjoy our life a little bit, why don't we just keep it like that? And it turns out if you see any land around you that you think, I'd rather not, you know, have that lost forever for like a, another CVS, when there's a CVS literally across the street. This is something most people don't know. CVS is mostly a real estate company. If you go home tonight and you're thinking, how can I get in on it? Look at CVS Property Services. So they open up one, they get traffic to it, people get used to going there, they sell it, and they open up another one across the street. So there's something like, 70 or 80 CVS pharmacies for sale in California right now. You go in together. <laughs> or you can put a little bit of money into land trusts and you start immediately affecting your environment. You can do it really quick because there's grant money, federal grant money, state grant money, uh, nonprofits that if they say, okay, there's people on the ground who will watch over this piece of land, we'll come up with the money. For instance, a lot of old ranches in California. In San Diego used to be filled with ranches. East County used to be filled with ranches. And it was cows in this place where nothing much grows on the ground for the cows, like the Southwest in general, don't make a lot of money but a subdivision does. So it's natural that you'll sell a ranch. Now you can get a conservation easement and get an annual income from it, like a lot of ranches up in the Eastern Sierra, the 395. So ranchers are now doing this, and now you have a new bunch of people who are interested in you know, protecting the environment, etc. Which is generally a good thing. 
And one thing that a lot of people who are interested in climate change solutions, et cetera, don't know about just because it hasn't been publicized very much because it hasn't been studied very much is that deserts are one of the top carbon sinks that you can have. It's not just the stuff growing on top, it's the cryptobiotic crust and the networks over thousands of square miles in Mojave alone that store carbon. So when you upset that stuff, then you're having a carbon gain in the atmosphere. It's a very easy way. And if you don't like taking care of your yard, it's the best thing. Because when I look out at my little acre and Joshua tree, whatever's going on is, is rewilding, they call it now. This is true. There, 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 are, there are college programs on this now. So you can do that with any yard. Thank you all for coming out on a school night. Do we have anybody who uh, would like to answer the phone and talk to Desert Oracle Radio? Welcome to Desert Oracle Radio. Thanks for calling. Uh, what's on your mind? Have you ever heard of the Death Valley Dolphins? With Death Valley Dolphins. The Dolphins? I don't think I do. Tell, tell no, me. No, Dolphins. Dolphins like the... Uh, dolphins the like the mammal of the sea? Indeed. No, I know about the Death Valley Pupfish. Tell me about the Death Valley Dolphins. Well, it's loosely related. Uh, I used to work in Death Valley National Park. I was an archaeologist there. I'm an archaeologist here in San Diego. And we got a call that a bunch of uh, crystals were winding up in Devil's Hole with the pupfish in archaeological sites kind of all over the park. And uh, law enforcement was able to trace it to this cult where a specific woman had dreams of dolphins. And this cult goes down into Death Valley thinking that uh, Devil's Hole is like some kind of connection to this underground uh, system of rivers and oceans and that there's these dolphins that they can commune with. What do, roughly what year was this that, that these incidents were occurring? This was uh, 2016 into 2017. It's funny that you bring up the Bundy occupation in Oregon because the Bundy, well, they wanted to occupy Ash Meadows, but they decided it was going to be too hot. Um, so instead of going down by Amargosa, they went up to Oregon. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, 2016 to 2017. That's right. Clive said in some interview, Clive Bundy, yep. that they wanted initially to be closer to home. Uh, what's his son? Amon? Uh, Amon Bundy? Yeah. He said later that they thought that area was too populated. Which, being so close to Las Vegas and all the law enforcement and everything there? Well, it's not too far from where uh, uh, the Manson Caves are in Harrop, Nevada, where right. Charlie used to hang out. So. Charlie hung out at Devil's Hole as well. Yeah, and out by Saline Valley, if you yeah, there. Yeah. 
the idea of the underground uh, system of, of rivers, well, first of all, there really is an underground system of rivers, but the idea that it leaded, uh, uh, that it would lead them to some sort of paradise is a persistent some... idea in the Southwest. Oh. Well, under under the Integratron, aren't there, isn't it the confluence of five underground rivers, I think? They like to say that, but one thing one thing about uh, that area, which is Landers, there's no water, you know. Uh, there's an aquifer under Yucca Valley, and it's a major fault where the Landers quake occurred in 1992. I want to know who this person was who had the visions of the dolphins. Yeah, I've been meaning to send you a link, and I can. Uh, I don't know much about them, but anyways, law enforcement was always kind of... Uh, their blogs refer to uh, old park employees as like the lizard people, and it's very classic kind of stuff. Oh, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, uh, interesting. Will you, will you please send me that? I would love to uh, to, to, to dive in, so to speak, of uh, the reports of uh, crystals being dumped. So it wasn't just, they would cast them in these like resin balls and domes, which is, at first they brought a bomb squad in because they thought it was some kind of explosive. And then they just tied it back to this like hippie cult. Um, yeah, very weird. One 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 thing about the desert is that it. Uh, if you want to find the weirdos, <laughs> they're gonna end up there. There's you know the whole there's a spectrum of weirdo. From I guess like Willie Nelson and on one end. Maybe like George O'Keefe, and then the other end is Charles Manson. But they all love the beauty of the desert, and I think that's important. Thanks, so do we. Thanks so much for calling. Thanks for having me. Hey, boy, tell us, tell us a first name if you like, or make one up. But what what what's a name I can refer to you as? Spanish Thunder. Spanish Thunder. Thank you, Spanish Thunder. We have time for one real quick one. You know, it's something you see people do. It looks like they're going to the phone, but they're going to the the bar. I think. I caught. Uh, it was at the Texas Theater in Dallas where Oswald was arrested doing this show a, a week or two ago and we were doing the phone calls and somebody got up and they were walking to the phone but I caught her, I made eye contact she was actually going to the bathroom but I caught her and I said just you know, the, real quick she picks it up and I said anything you'll hear this on the show in a couple of weeks she's like ah uh, there was this time when I woke up and my sister was levitating three feet over the bed So I always try. I think now I'm going to tell a little campfire story. Uh, because we can't have campfires inside anymore since the pandemic. I'm going to uh, bring something up. That's true what... Uh, what Spanish Thunder was saying about Charlie Manson 
and the, the hideout, the number of hideouts that the Manson family had out around Death Valley. The most infamous of all is the one called Barker Ranch. Barker Ranch was an old open cattle range ranch rented off public land until in 1994 with the California Desert Protection Act it became part of Death Valley National Park when Death Valley National Monument became a national park. So now it's part of the park. It's hard to get to. If you got a real good four-wheel drive, you can go up this gully on the west side of the Panamints, low by Wingate Pass. Manson got certain members of his family to dive into hot springs in Saline Valley and other hot springs in the eastern Sierra around Death Valley try to get them to dive down to find the entrance and they come out after a few minutes Charlie is so hot and he'd say well now you try you know Tex and a couple of them did it and they come out with burns and so finally he says okay you can tie a rock to a rope and we'll see how far it goes down because they were going to wait underground during Helter Skelter that was the thing he saw that on TV when he was in prison. From Amboy to Zizek's and across the great Mojave wilderness, you've been listening to Desert Oracle Radio. Our local land conservation group, the Mojave Desert Land Trust, just sent out an interesting report on one of my favorite subjects. The carbon sink value of wild desert, desert wilderness, desert left the way it's supposed to be. Which we talked about in this episode, recorded live at the Whistle Stop in South Park, city of San Diego, just before Christmas. That delicate mix of cryptobiotic soils and long-living plants and biological matter is one of the world's greatest natural carbon sinks. That's a place that stores carbon. When carbon is in the ground, part of the natural landscape, well, then it doesn't go into the atmosphere. As of now, the California desert holds a full 10% of the state's carbon. And when you build another ugly Airbnb complex or alleged renewable energy factory on virgin desert land, its value as a carbon sink disappears as soon as you bring in the bulldozers to scrape the life away from the surface of the earth. If you're going to the Los Angeles Festival of Books tomorrow, get a $4 reservation for the Writing California panel where they're letting me talk with the literary and historical people for some reason. 4.30 p.m., the location on the USC campus is Salvatore 101. Book signing right after that, then maybe we'll find some beverages somewhere. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the last gasp of winter out here. Happy Earth Day. Good night from the Voice of the Desert.